So coming back gently to your normal consciousness. Being aware of what's around you. And then who you're sharing your screen with. All these lovely people. So the theme of course is unified consciousness. And um, for this last session, I've taken a few words of Lawrence Freeman's that struck me um, a short while back when he said, we are born to be healed. We are born to be healed. And the first of these sessions, the subtitle I chose was love, love is the meaning. So perhaps in a way we're just coming back to the beginning again, because to say love is the meaning and we are born to be healed. They're intimately connected with each other because it's love that heals us. So a reminder of this unified consciousness. I was about to call it an idea, but it's a truth. It's not just an idea. So the sense that everything is essentially one. And every individual thing that exists arises out of that essential oneness and has its individual life in time and space whilst it's in time and space until it returns back to that essential original oneness to God. It's often thought of as a, a sort of center, that oneness. That center reveals itself to us in our daily lives as love. Small word with vast meaning and many aspects of meaning to it. It's love that's this creative energy that arises from this one center. It's what it means to say that God is a creator. It's this constant outpouring of the creative energy which manifests itself as love. We come from love. That center is continuously creating and recreating everything that is in love and out of love. Well, it isn't necessarily difficult to find endless fine words to try and give some form to these deep truths which are beyond our understanding like unified consciousness. But we have to go beyond the fine words in a sense that we have to 
begin to work out what it means. Can we experience this? Is it real? Or are we just, can we only just admire it from afar? <laughs> we always have to get down to it. <laughs> because when we start this inner journey, we really don't see the world like that, as this marvelous, essentially unified thing. <laughs> It's just not what's going on in our minds in our everyday life to start with. And if we had seen that deep truth, I mean, we really wouldn't be living the way we live. And the world wouldn't be the way it is. Because if the essential truth of that is love, we'd be living in a much more loving world. We'd be living much more, we'd be, can't even say this, we'd be living much more loving lives. There's no wonder I couldn't say that. We'd be living much more loving lives than we do if we could already see that in a way that made a difference. So clearly we don't yet see that when we start. It's an idea, an attractive one, I hope. We wouldn't be in such a mess, basically. <laughs> Because to begin to, to start with, we're a long way from that deep center, that deep center that in the first session I said we might even, we could think of as home, place we belong, the place where we love. We're a long way from it most of the time when we start. Our gaze, our focus, our attention, our concerns are mostly turned outwards and focused on external things. We're trying to get through life. We're trying to make some sort of sense of it. We're trying to make it work in some half decent way. It's a great idea that everything is bathed in love, but we may not experience that. <laughs> we might, our experience maybe, or may, maybe is or has been that love has been in remarkably short supply. Some of the reason we've ended up where we are. Human beings are not particularly good at loving each other for quite a lot of the time. Or it's a bit hit and miss. Sometimes it's fabulous and sometimes it's just dreadful. <laughs> you know, that's, that's our experience probably. Perhaps I'm being too pessimistic, but I'm not sure. So we can start off feeling rather dissatisfied maybe rather trapped, rather isolated, and not quite sure who we are or what we're here for. Um, Julian of Norwich, who I quoted from a couple of times in previous sessions, <laughs> she talks about sin in the most interesting way quite a lot. She said, actually, sin is just being in a muddle. <laughs> That's all. We just can't work out how it works, <laughs> doing our best, <laughs> but it's a bit of a mess and that's, you know, simple as that really. That's where we start. You know some of that more than I do probably. So we're a long way from that marvelous notion of love at center of everything and everything being one. 
Richard Raw, who I expect you know, breathing underwater and many other things. He gave this interesting definition of spirituality once. He said, spirituality is about when you discover that the inside of things in a life is bigger than the outside, the entrapment of life. I'll say that again. Spirituality is about when you discover that the inside of things, the inner life, the inside of things is bigger than the outside, the entrapment of life, he calls the outside, the, the place that's messy. There's a bigger life on the inside, fuller life. Perhaps you wouldn't disagree with me if I, if I said after that, well, the inside of things is full of love. And as we tread this path and this inner life opens up in us, we discover that. We expand into this fuller life that's got more love in it. So at some point we begin to make this inner turn, let's call it. And as we do that, we probably begin to discover, to sense, to realize that there is something we want. That there is, does seem to be something which holds out the promise of answering that dissatisfaction, that muddle, that strain of trying to make it all work, isolation. But not quite, I don't know, not quite being able to make it come right, whatever that feeling might be for you. We begin to realize that there is something that maybe or indeed is beginning to answer that, to meet it somehow opens up new hope for us. It's attractive. We want it. It opens our heart in some way to something. We usually give words to it. But something makes us decide to give it a try or to keep coming back or to make a commitment to it. Maybe we begin to sense a yearning for it. But it always seems to go along, that attraction always seems to go along with a resistance in us. I said this a couple of times ago. They seem to go together. There's something that pulls us towards it. and something that annoyingly seems to pull away from it. It's as though we have some sort of sense that there is a love 
there that heals us and that draws us close. We can come closer to God, whatever we call that. And yet there's something in us that's wary of it, that's a bit frightened of it. You don't know what it is or how it works or what it will do. And then there are lots of ideas that we've gathered over life that make us unsure or draw back. I suppose it's inevitable that love makes us vulnerable. Why would we want that? <laughs> we always have to build some defences against the things in life that hurt us. So the notion that we could, mm, that they might not be there, ugh, can sometimes make us draw back. And healing, whilst it would be wonderful, healing means change. Maybe there's a bit of us that would sort of rather stay in the rut that we're in, as we say in this country, because at least we know it. We may not like it, but at least we know how it works. And to climb out of the rut into this bigger view, how will that, what's that going to be like? Will I know how to navigate it? Strange territory. Who's going to be there? What's going to be there? Who will we be there? So I think there's always this attraction and this pull away. And sometimes one is stronger than the other. It's a bit like meditation in a way. We want to say the word, but boy, oh boy, do we keep getting distracted. Sometimes with the most ridiculous things. So ridiculous, you just have to laugh. <laughs> How can I possibly want to be thinking about all that rubbish when I could be doing something better? <laughs> oh dear, it's a strange. I think we're strange creatures, we human beings sometimes, aren't we? <laughs> Full of contradictions. You do have to laugh. <laughs> I think when John Main talks about seriousness. Seriousness. He's not at all talking about solemnness. <laughs> I think he's talking about the seriousness that makes you end up laughing at yourself. <laughs> These contradictory things that somehow seem together when you start this inner life thing. <laughs> all very curious. And uh, Lawrence Freeman comments somewhere that actually as human beings, this is about thinking about change, we only really like change when we've got control of it. <laughs> Which of course isn't the sort of control that the higher power or the spirit of Jesus or <laughs> is interested in. It's really interested in something more than we can possibly imagine or want to control. <laughs> Spirit really wants to say, look, I'm offering you to get free. For goodness sake, stop hanging on. <laughs> Whilst we're hanging on. <laughs> it's the way it is. Thomas Merton, that marvellous 
20th century uh, contemplative said, you know, it's a, it's a lifetime's work for us to learn to be able to bear the beams of love. Be able to bear the beams of love. This huge love. Bit by bit, bit by bit, our defenses gradually are worn away. This healing love. Maybe it's like a sort of warm love that gradually, gradually thaws us out. <laughs> And because that's the way it is, I think we just need constant reminders of all of this. That there is this available to us. And that we do resist it sometimes. We want it, but we resist it. It's so easy to get caught back up in those entrapments of life, <laughs> as Richard Raw describes them. It takes quite a while for the our experience of that spaciousness of the inner life, for us to be sure enough about it, to not keep on getting pulled back into the entrapments of life. So we need, I think, constant reminders. You know, every day, if you sit to meditate every day, it's, it's, that's a reminder in itself. Maybe you'd like to read a little something, a little, little John Mayne or Lawrence Freeman or Richard Raw, just to keep on reminding ourselves, what is it that this is about? To remind ourselves, actually, this is what we want. This is what we need. This really is there for us. It's why we need WCCM. It's why we need churches, I suppose. It's why we need spiritual teach just through the sense it's why we need the scriptures it's why we need to gather we just have to keep being reminded reminding each other and coming together and supporting each other otherwise we just keep on getting pulled out again john main says here's another here's another reminder for us john main says we know that we have been created by love for love. Wow. We know that love cannot be demanded. Love cannot be earned. I need reminding of that. Love is given. what grace is isn't it it's love freely given so much in those words freely given <laughs> can't make it come so yeah you know, i mean you know that from your human experience don't you that you, you, if you demand love from someone what you get is some, something or other, if at all, but it's not love. 
what a love that lasts and grows. Created by love because life is given to us. We never ask to be born. And it keeps on being given to us. Day by breath by breath. The idea of demanding it day by day that, that you be given life, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> it just is given. Just there. But the truth of it is, there's so much more of it than we've discovered so far. <laughs> it's bigger than we've discovered so far. And carry on being the case because, as we say, it's unlimited, it's infinite. Oh, another huge thing to think about. There's so much more of it. So if we can't earn it, if we can't demand it, if we can't grasp it, what can we do? We can just, we can only become more open to it, more receptive to it, because it's just there being given. <laughs> so we can only active to it. We can only learn to bear the beams of love, as Thomas Merton calls it. And that's the whole point of meditation. On main again, by meditating, we do not set out to earn or deserve God's love, because we have to be, keep on reminding of that. We simply set out to be given what is given, what is. It's there already being given. So when we sit to meditate, we really do have to set aside what we think we are, because that is another mess, isn't it? <laughs> another model. We're just there. We're just trying to stay open, stay connected. It's a bit like the true vine that we looked at. You, know, you the branch just has to the, the branch just has to stay connected so that. The sap, the love can keep on flowing. The first step in loving others, loving yourself, loving God, all of those, the first step is allowing yourself to be loved. The first step in personhood, he says, is allowing yourself to be loved. says it quite a few times in different ways. Allowing yourself to be loved, the thing we want but resist. And when we meditate, we don't open it just as an idea because an idea stays in the head, <laughs> broadly speaking. We open to it in the deepest place within us within our own spirit, within our own hearts, the center of our own beings, so that it continues to flow into all of us and beyond us and between us. But in Christian thinking is the, the organ of love within us, the center of us, 
where love can, where we can open to love at the most profound level. But the heart is also the place where our deepest wounds are lodged. It's a great place to start. It's a great place to start healing. Place where lodged. One poet, W. H. Auden, said, "In the desert, in the deserts of the heart, let the healing fountain start." In that parched place. Let this life-giving water of love begin to mm, begin to swell out the shriveled bits, begin to water the new life. And the healing fountains, as he puts it, do start. Without knowing how, we begin to realize that we are indeed beginning to heal. Often when we think about healing, we, um, we think about putting something back to the state it was in before. You know, you've had COVID, so you just hope to be, after a week or two, someone who doesn't have COVID anymore. <laughs> That's all we expect, isn't it? At the moment, I've got a dicey knee and leg. It's been going on quite a while. It's very slow in healing. And I hope that before too long, or at least at some point, and I'll be able to do the same with it that I could before. So that's often how we think about healing. But it's not quite what we mean when we talk about this healing through this expansion of the heart by love. It's not putting us back where we were before. It's always a being made new. Brought home, moving forward finding a new way, continuing on this new way. And it always surprises us what happens. And one of the things that to me Is, is, is that whatever changes in me changes the way I relate to other people and other things that are around me. It has this sort of marvelous double effect, this sort of win-win that goes on. So what people usually begin to discover that as they come to be able to accept themselves as they in a muddle or not, <laughs> messy or not, <laughs> and to know that that's the person that God loves, this messy person, 
<laughs> this muddled person, this entrapped, entrapped, this entrapped person, which of course is so extraordinary, it's very hard to believe, but you know, we come to see that. But as we begin to be able to accept that, the wonderful thing is that somehow without just really high about, we begin to offer that acceptance to other people. So it changes our relationships and we draw closer out of this oneness at the center. Some of this wanting begins to start within ourselves and between ourselves in these little ways. When I get less hard on myself and less judgmental on myself, as, which is what I discover that a little bit from time to time, and other people might hopefully notice it, <laughs> I'm less harsh in the way I judge other people. I see that they are messy people like me and that they have a story the way I have a story that explains why I've ended up the way I am. They have a story, you may not have heard it yet. <laughs> Interested to hear it rather than just writing them off. And the less stressed I am, the more peace I begin to find, the more burdens I seem to be able to shed the less stressed I am about other people. They don't stress me out so much. So some, love just works its way in all these practical ways. And to us, drawing us into a sort of harmony we haven't known before, and then drawing us into harmony with other people in these little ways make a difference and the more we understand ourselves the more our own self-knowledge grows the more we find we're able to understand other people once they don't work like us i think oh okay well no no no, they don't work like us but i think i can see how they do work i can work with that The more patient we become with ourselves, the more patient we tend to become with other people, etc., etc. So, in that allowing ourselves to be loved, healing happens within us, and we gradually learn to love other people better. So, a warning begins to happen. I say, God. How we understand God changes. Whatever images of God we've had in the past, they're pretty certainly not going to have been that God is pure love. Pretty certain to have been mixed up with all sorts of other notions of God. They will change too, because that's what love does. And then there's a sort of a virtuous spiral that begins to happen. The more open we are to God through our meditation and whatever begins to emerge in our life that makes that more real for us, 
the more receptive we are, the more healing occurs, and the more we love other people, which opens our heart, and the whole thing becomes a beautiful spiral. There's just more and more keeps on growing, you might say. So I'm going to end with a few words from first letter of John, chapter four, as a way of attempting to sum it all up in a few words. God is love, John says. We love because us. God is love. We love because God first loved us. You know, I was going to use something else for the next year, but I think I think we'll have that. <laughs> hmm. So we'll have a little lexia divina now, which is a fine-sounding Latin phrase, which I don't know. Latin often makes things seem rather <laughs> a bit posh or a bit difficult. <laughs> Maybe we should call it something else. It just means divine reading or holy reading or spiritual reading. That's all it might means. But we use the Latin because the translation is a little bit vague. It could mean all sorts of things. Um, and it means a particular sort of sacred reading. So a reminder for some of you, possibly all of you, but maybe not to some of you. The, the idea of this, and in a way it's, it's listening, <laughs> would perhaps be a, a better way uh, of describing it. We listen to some words, I'm using scripture, it doesn't have to be, but something that's got some depth of meaning in it. Something that we need to, that we'll have to grow into, <laughs> not something superficial. So we hear the words, because I'm actually going to speak them, I'm not, to, you know, to, I'm not going to give a text to read, I'm, I'm going to speak it. And the idea is that you listen and, and try not to get into analysing mode, but to stay in listening mode, in sort of heart open mode, and see if anything strikes you. Sometimes people talk about letting the text read you. Does it show you something about yourself? Is the sense of that, letting it read you? Does it show you something you hadn't 
been able to see before about yourself, your life, your relationships, your where you are with things, with God, with people. I, who knows? Who knows? The Spirit's got your all of you and your whole life to work on. <laughs> There's plenty of possibilities. So if you find some words or an image from it or one word, a few words, the whole of it that strike you, then you just stay with that um, and let it turn over in your mind and heart. One image that was used that was used for it is um, it's as though you're chewing the cud and getting the spiritual juice out of all the grass. So I'm going to read, this is not going to take long because it's only a few words, I'm going to read the words five times, quite slowly, and then have a short time just to absorb it a bit and then break into a couple of breakout groups and have six or seven minutes, simply in the breakout rooms to say what struck you, what did it mean to you, fairly briefly. So we'll see how we go. is from first letter of John chapter 4. God is love. We love because God first loved us. And again, God is love. We love because God first loved us. God is love. We love because God first loved us. God is love. We love because God first loved us. God is love. We love because God first loved us. So if Sarah could break us into two groups, we'll have um, eight minutes, we'll be fine, I think.